Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, as we get started, it's been a crazy time throughout the world. And if I were to ask you to describe the last four months in four words or less, I wonder which four words you would choose. If today you are streaming on Facebook or YouTube or maybe on the Rivers Church app, maybe you can think of your four words and just quickly type them into the chat so everyone else can see. But while you're thinking, here are some suggestions. Uh, How about, my kids need Jesus. Or maybe, uh, need to see friends. Uh, How about, no more Zoom meetings. Maybe linked to that, staff meetings in underpants, because we can. Just for the record, I have never done that. What about, can we buy wine? I know none of you have ever asked that question. How about, time isn't the problem? We so often say, when I've got more time, when I've got the time, when things aren't so crazy. Well, we've, we've had the time, but we've realized that time isn't quite the problem. You see, this lockdown period has been very revealing for people. For some people, it has shown their strengths. They've realized that they're stronger than they thought, more capable than they realized. They had hidden gifts and talents that they'd never known before. For other people, it's been very revealing of weaknesses. It's been revealing of perhaps small cracks that have formed in people's lives. It's not that this lockdown period has caused them to happen. It's just revealed that they are there. Perhaps you've seen that there have been cracks that have formed in your financial planning. Many people have found that there are cracks in their personal convictions. Some people have found cracks in their faith and their discipleship, perhaps in their marriages and relationships with friends, cracks in their own confidence. So maybe in other four words, my cracks, God's opportunities. We know that every fracture presents God with an opportunity to do something wonderful in our lives. And and that's fantastic. But, you know, the presence of a fracture isn't the issue as much as what we choose to do with it. Because if left unchecked, it can be absolutely disastrous. In 1928, the Silver Bridge was constructed across the Ohio River, connecting Ohio with West Virginia. It was around 680 meters long, and at its peak, it saw about 4,000 cars traveling over it every day. One fateful day on December 15th in 1967, the bridge completely collapsed. It sent 32 vehicles into the river. It killed 46 people. Forensic analysis showed that a tiny stress crack had formed just three millimeters deep, causing the entire bridge to collapse in ruin. I wonder if there's not an area of your life that feels like that bridge. Perhaps your business has collapsed. Maybe your hope has collapsed, your belief in God as a good God. Maybe your self-control feels like it's in ruins. So perhaps another four words. My ruins, my responsibility. The title of the message today is My Ruins, My Responsibility. If any part of my life has collapsed and is sitting in a pile of rubble, 
It's my responsibility, and I'm the only one who can do something about it. Nobody else is going to rebuild for me. Nobody can rebuild for me. Not my relatives, not an employer, not an institution, not the government, not my church. No, I am the only one who can take responsibility for rebuilding my life because it doesn't matter what any other institution does for me or gives to me, I'm still left dealing with myself. It is still up to me to put in the work. You know, even if it came at the hand of COVID, even if the ruins came from a, a bad or poor risk or bad decision, even if it came at the hands of somebody else. My ruins are my responsibility. And the thing about where many people find themselves today, they can see where they are. They can see where they want to be. They know that there's a journey from here to there, but they just don't know how to get there. When you're faced with so many cracks that have formed within your life, when there's so much ruin lying around you, you know what you need to believe. You know the Bible says God works all things for the good of those who love them, but sometimes you just don't know the first step to take. Where do I even begin? Well, thank the Lord that He gave us a blueprint through His Word. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of Nehemiah. Now, last week, Pastor Andre preached a phenomenal message about living as exiles in digital Babylon. He spoke from the book of Daniel. It's when the Jews first went into exile. Now, the book of Nehemiah takes place at the back end of the exile, as the Jews were returning to their homeland. At the time, a remnant had returned to Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Ezra. And together they rebuilt the temple of God, but the walls of Jerusalem and the gates still lay in ruins. So the people were weak. They had progress, but they were still vulnerable. Nehemiah heard about what had happened. His heart broke and he felt such a conviction for his homeland lying in ruins, his homeland, his responsibility, he chose to do something about it. And so he rallied the Jews together to repair, rebuild, and to reinforce the walls and the gates to get security back to the Israelites. They did their work with their tools in one hand and a sword in another, protecting themselves, defending themselves, but being committed to the work. And it's a picture of what we need to do for our own lives as well. He did what nobody else could do in record time. In 52 days, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And it seemed impossible because of the, the pressures, the tiredness that they felt within, the intimidation that was coming from the enemies and the doubts of the people in their world. I'd like to read to you from Nehemiah chapter four. It says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. There is so much homeschooling, I cannot rebuild my business. There is so much debt, I cannot rebuild my finances. There is so much pain, I cannot rebuild relationships. Goes on to say that our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Sometimes we can feel like it's like the devil himself has made it his personal mission to whisper intimidation and fear and doubt into our ears. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told them 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. You know, we can even have friends and family casting doubt. Even they can say, no, don't even bother. No, that dream is too big. No, it's too risky to take that journey. I love Nehemiah's response in Nehemiah 4.14. He said, after I looked things over, 
I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes, fight for your joy, fight for your strength, fight for your security, fight for your well-being, fight for your hope, fight for your faith, fight for the day that is coming ahead where you will be stronger, where you will be greater, where the challenges of today will be a building block in your success and in your significance. Church, now is the time, not where we need to lie down in our rubble, not where we need to lie down in our ruins. Now is the time where we need to stand up. We need to reaffirm our commitment to rebuild our lives. And no matter what our lives do look like at the moment, to recognize that God has given us everything that we need. We just need to stand. We need to fight. We need to pick up our tools. We need to pick up our sword. And we need to do the journey that lies ahead. Now the building project commenced in Nehemiah chapter three. And we see that it mentions 10 gates that were rebuilt. These 10 gates paint a prophetic picture for our lives and what needs to be rebuilt for us when we feel that there's an area of our lives that is lying in ruins. Gates are important. Gates allow access to those who are authorized. Gates block out those who are not allowed to come in. And gates protect those who are within. When you don't know what to do, build these gates. When you don't know where to go, build these gates. Where you don't know what to turn, where you don't know where to focus, where you don't know where to begin, simply build these gates again and again and again in your lives. Sometimes they need to be rebuilt because they're in shreds and that's okay, rebuild. Sometimes cracks have developed, well then just repair. Sometimes the gates are strong, well then reinforce. But whatever we do, we must always protect these gates in our lives. I'm going to focus on the first five because I believe that they're most pertinent, but all these gates are very important in our lives. So hope you're ready. Number one, the sheep gate. John chapter 10 verses seven to nine say, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. This gate was close to the sheep market where sheep were sold for sacrifices at the temple. This is the gate that the sheep walked through when they went to the temple to get sacrificed. We know that Jesus is our great shepherd and we are the wandering sheep. First Peter 2 verse 25 says, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Isaiah 53 verse six says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. You see church, when we need to rebuild our lives, when we need to rebuild hope or any particular area that has been ruined, it must start with Jesus. Jesus isn't like Barney the purple dinosaur, useful for teaching children good lessons about life, but not very appropriate for grown-ups. No, church, he's our everything. He's our joy. He's our strength. 
He's our salvation. He's our grace. He's our friend. He's the one who saved us. He is our absolute everything. Church, we cannot hope to rebuild our lives if we haven't rebuilt with the great shepherd. We are all prone to wonder. Jesus is perfect, yet he still doesn't expect perfection from us. He's patient with us. He is kind with us. He doesn't relate to us on the basis of our vocation, on the basis of the success of our parenting, or on our spiritual diligence. He relates to us on the basis of the fact that we are sheep in need of a shepherd. And no matter who we are, no matter how successful we have been, he knows that we're still dust and that we desperately, desperately need him. Psalm 23 is such a famous psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It's Psalm 23. But a lot of people, I think, rather read from Psalm 23. The Lord is bad-tempered. I always want. He makes me die down in disaster. He bleeds me beside ill slaughter. He abhors my soul. Is that what you believe about him? So often we can have this perception of God as being critical and judgmental and wanting us to fail. No, he's our shepherd. He wants us to journey forward in strength. And very often when our life feels like it's in ruins, one of the first things that go is our belief in God as a good God and a good father. When we've built our lives and our identity on our vocations, when that vocation disappears, when our success disappears, we feel like God's approval disappears with it, but it doesn't. He is still our shepherd. He is still our father. We must rebuild the sheep gate because it keeps out a sense of condemnation and striving and it protects God's disciples. Number two is the fish gate. The Bible says in Matthew chapter four, verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At the fish gate, the fishermen would bring all their catches for the day to get sold at the fish market. This gate speaks of us being fishers of men. It speaks of purpose and commission to the purposes of God. I wonder what your first thought of yourself is at the point of failure. I wonder what goes through your mind you fool, you idiot, I knew you couldn't do this. Your father was right, you're good for nothing. This is the reason why we need this gate because this gate gives us access to our purpose. We are all as believers commissioned to go out into the world and to make disciples. And the most powerful tool that we have to preach to the world around us is our testimony. Our testimony is the story of what Christ has done in our lives and nobody can ever take that away from us. Our testimony is the story of where we were compared to where we are. Our testimony is where we are compared to where we will be one day. Your story has power to influence and shape the world around you. And if we give up now, we take away the power that our story has. We shouldn't allow our ruins to start lying to us to tell us that this is the end. No, church, this is just the beginning. We need to hold on to our testimony so that we can remain being fishers of men because people are relying on us. We don't know it, but people are depending to see our faith flourish. It might feel like it's failing, but your determination to keep on going, to keep on pushing through is preaching a story far greater than words. When we rebuild the fish gate, it keeps out insecurity and it protects those who are determined to honor God's call to reach out to the world. Number three is the old gate. Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says, 
This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Now is the time that we find ourselves at this crossroads. The Bible says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We're at a crossroads because the world is saying, I know that that's what the Bible says, but here's a way, and here is a truth, and here is a life. A quick English lesson. A is an indefinite article. It means that what is being referred to is unknown to the speaker or to the one hearing. The is a definite article. It means that what is being referred to is absolutely known by the speaker or by the hearer. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to build my life and my hope and my future on something that is indefinite. I want to build my life on something that is known and definite. And Jesus is the one who's presenting something that is solid and something firm that is based on the old principles of God's word. The old gate represents the old truths, the way of life that God has laid out for us that are vital for us to build strength into our lives. If we want to build strong, successful lives, we need to ask for God's ancient way, His good way that will lead our souls to rest. This is what old truth tells us. It tells us that we are all created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. Old truth tells us that every single life is valuable, even those in the womb. Old truth tells us that principle and virtue and morality and self-control make you beautiful and strong. Old truth tells us that marriage, by God's definition, builds the family in strength. And when the family is established and successful, then there is no social problem that we cannot overcome. Old truth tells us that pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Old truth tells us that when we take personal responsibility, there's nothing that God cannot do in us, for us, and for His glory. Old truth tells us that my ruins are my responsibility. Church, we must rebuild this gate because we live in an age where there are new thoughts and new ideas and new principles that seem very noble, but at the core, they are rocky and shaky because they do not have the foundation of God's truth to them. When we rebuild this old gate, we block out hype, we block out fickle trends, and we protect those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Number four is the valley gate. Romans chapter five, verse three to five says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, character, hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. This gate opened up into a valley and it speaks of the truth that there will be moments in life when our lives will take a very sharp nosedive into a valley we will be blindsided. We will encounter loss. There will be sudden disaster. And our tenure as a Christian doesn't immunize us from the realities of life. Hope you're feeling encouraged by the service today. Church, we need to rebuild this gate because we need to know that 
there will be suffering. We've read recently of pastors and authors and musicians who have abandoned their faith because they cannot reconcile the pain that they're feeling, the trouble in the world with who God says that He is. That is why it's so important, church, for us to rebuild the valley gate because there will be pain. Many are in a valley right now, sitting on the pile of ruins of their lives, but this is not the end. And I'm not here to try answer the question about why evil exists. I'm not here to answer the question about why there is pain. But what I do know is that despite all those things, God is still sovereign. He is bigger than COVID. He's greater than your debt. He's mightier than your illness. He's bigger and brighter than the darkness that you feel on the inside. Yes, there is pain and there always will be pain. There's pain for every season of life, but for every pain, there is grace for every season of life. So when we rebuild the valley gate, we let in hope, we block out cynicism, and we protect those who endure patiently. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Number five is the dung gate. Every single life needs a dung gate, but not many lives actually do. The dung gate acknowledges the trash, but it sends it away. It's interesting that the dung gate comes after the valley gate. Usually after a period of difficulty, after a period of challenge and suffering, things are revealed in us that we recognize as things that need to be dealt with. Now, I wonder in this period of difficulty, what has been revealed in your life that needs to be dealt with? I wonder if pride isn't a bit of an issue. Pastor Andre spoke about this a few weeks ago. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but He shows favor to the humble. Whenever we build our lives on our pride, whenever we identify ourselves by our pride, the Word actually says that God opposes us. Come on, church, it's trash, it's dung. We need to throw it out. Maybe offense. What I've realized about offense is that offense is taken. It's not given. So in many ways, offense can be equated to theft because you're taking something that hasn't been given to you. It's trash, church. Let's throw out offense. If we have dung thoughts or dung attitudes or dung perspectives or dung responses, we need to toss it out because when we rebuild the dung gate, It lets into our lives a release from burden. It blocks out the stench of our old way of life and it protects those who want to live in freedom. I'm gonna move a little bit more quickly through the final five gates. After the dung gate, we get to the fountain gate. The fountain gate speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Church, we desperately need to do this journey with the Holy Spirit. When you're discouraged, when there is difficulty, when there is pain, as we've gone through the valleys of life, as we have had to deal with dung in our lives, we need the Holy Spirit to speak life and refreshing to us. The Holy Spirit is given to comfort, to restore, to uplift, to give counsel, to give wisdom. As we rebuild our lives, we must make sure that we're not doing it only with our own perspectives and our own ideas, but with the wisdom that God gives to us through the Holy Spirit. We cannot just do this with our own human perspectives and our own human strength. The fountain gate lets in guidance and comfort and strength for life. It blocks out fear and intimidation and it protects those 
who earnestly seek intimacy with the Lord. It ties in very closely with the next gate, which is the water gate. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to the word. The water gate speaks of the word of God, its power in our lives and the necessity for our own personal devotions with the Lord. Church, if we want to rebuild our lives, we can't do it with this philosophy and this 12-step plan. We must do it with the water of the word. We must do it under the guidance of the word of God. The word of God cleanses us. It washes away impurities. The word of God purifies our souls. The Word of God strengthens us. The Word of God lifts us. The Word of of God guides us. The Bible is the authority on all matters of life and death. And if we want to be successful in this life, we must do this journey with the Word of God at the very center of us. When we rebuild the water gate, it lets in a clean conscience. It lets in confidence with God. It lets in stability for life. It blocks out doubt and it blocks out foolish thinking. Next, we come to the horse gate. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 says, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Nehemiah Nehemiah 2 verse 18 says, And then they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the work. Nehemiah 4 verse 6 says, So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. The horse gate is where David met his army before they went out to war. It speaks about our willingness to work, our willingness to fight, our willingness to do what we need to do to uphold our duty for God's kingdom and for our own personal lives. When we recognize that my ruins are my responsibility, we recognize that we need to prepare our minds for action because it's not going to come easy. The fight is not easy. The war doesn't get handed to us on a silver platter. We must prepare ourselves to defend our faith, to defend our testimony, to defend our journey and to defend our future. The horse gate speaks of our need for willingness to go to war, to give God the victory and to take us to success and to significance. This gate speaks of sacrifice and service and duty. It lets in victory and it keeps out defeat. Finally, we come to the East Gate. The East Gate speaks of Christ's return. It speaks to the fact that there is eternity waiting for us in heaven. It speaks to the fact that we will be reunited with God one day, that Christ is going to return. The East Gate speaks of hope. The East Gate tells us that the present difficulties are not our final destination, that there is a glory that is awaiting us. Church, I want to encourage you. Give God every opportunity to rebuild hope in your life. Give yourself every opportunity to rebuild hope in your life. This is not the end. We are not going to stay here forever. Your present ruins are your future glory. Your present ruins are the foundation of a great future and a great life of significance. So keep on going. This is not the end. And finally, the inspection gate. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. The inspection gate was the gate where David would inspect his troops before a battle. It speaks of our need to have a very frank look at our own lives, to inspect ourselves, 
to look at the areas that are weak, to identify the areas that need to be rebuilt, to know which areas need to be repaired, to know which areas deserve to be reinforced, to know our lives well so that we give ourselves every single opportunity to address and to take responsibility for our lives so that we don't find ourselves in a position of weakness. If we want to rebuild our lives, we need to know the condition of our lives. If we want to rebuild in strength, we need to know the next step to take. And as we have built the gates preceding this one, we should already have an understanding of what the next step is for us to take. So I want to encourage you, church, inspect. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It, it, it requires us to look at ourselves in a way that perhaps we've been avoiding. But there's great power and there's great strength in it. You see, when we rebuild the inspection gate, we let in dignity and we block out self-pity and entitlement and we protect those who earnestly seek victory in the Lord. Well, church, as we come to a close today, I would just love to pray for two groups of people. Firstly, today, I wanna pray for you if this message has resonated with you in any way. If you feel that your life is in ruins, if you feel that you just don't know what to do, I wanna pray for you and just trust that God's gonna give you the grace and the strength to rebuild. So if that's you, why don't you put your hand on your heart? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that every day is another opportunity for us to rebuild. Thank you, Lord, that we never do this journey alone, but that you're always standing beside us. Lord, I pray today for every person who's facing a difficulty, for every person who feels like their life is in ruins, their business is in ruins, their health, their marriage, relationships, finances. I pray in Jesus' name that today you would give them the courage of Nehemiah to do something about the condition of their lives. I pray that they'd feel something rising within them today, a courage to fight, a determination to fight, a willingness to build and to do whatever it takes to see victory come into their lives. I pray that you'd give them keen clarity on the next step that they need to take. Help them to evaluate their lives, to understand which gates need the most attention. And as they build, Father God, I pray you'd give them joy, give them excitement, give them confidence, Lord. As they build, I pray that others who are discouraged, others who are disheartened, would see the progress that they are making and they too would be encouraged. I pray for every person who's rebuilding their life, that like Nehemiah in Jerusalem, that they would see this task done in record time and that as they look back, they would know it's only by the grace of God and the strength of our efforts that you have done a wonderful thing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You know, it's quite significant that the inspection gate comes back before the sheep gate it goes full circle back to the sheep gate because it starts with Christ and it ends with Christ. If you want to rebuild your life, it must be done on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And maybe today you recognize that your faith is actually in ruins. At once you had a wonderful journey with the Lord, but your journey has crumbled because of difficulty or failure or sin, whatever it might be. You recognize today that your sheep gate is ruined. Well, today needs to be the day where you rebuild it again. Again, the Lord is our good shepherd, not our mean shepherd, not our slave driving shepherd, a good shepherd who desires our lives to be strong and successful. He wants to do this journey with us. So stop running away from him. Stop trying to do this on your own. He is here. His arms are open. So come back home to him today. Maybe you've never made a decision for Christ before. 
You've heard about Jesus, you've heard about church, and this is your first time actually getting an understanding of what the Bible's about. Well, I can tell you that if your life is in ruins, no self-help plan, no 12-step plan is ever gonna do for you what Christ can do. Nothing man-made can deal with the condition of our souls, only Jesus Christ. And if we open up our hearts and our lives to Him, He deals with sin, He deals with shame, He fills every hole in our lives, and He gives us grace for the journey that lies ahead. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face challenges. It means that we're not alone in those challenges. So today, if you'd like to come back to Jesus, or if you'd like to invite Him in for the very first time, right where you are, won't you open up your heart to Him? Simply pray, ask Him to come into your heart, into your life, and He will do a good work in you. Let's pray together, church, as we come to a close. Heavenly Father, I thank You for every person who right now is opening up their hearts to You. I pray in Jesus' name, that you would give them grace and strength to know that as they open their lives to you, that you are causing them to become children of God. Help them to have conviction to know that you have dealt with the condition of their lives. You have dealt with their sin. The past doesn't count anymore. Only the future in grace that we have now in you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray that they would all have confidence to know that they are now children of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 